Welcome to the App Geeks Assemble podcast. Everyone and welcome to episode nine of season two of the Av Geeks Assemble podcast. I'm your host Rob, and this week we are going to do something completely different, something we've never done before. We've buckled. You've been asking us questions, so we are doing a Q and A podcast um, this week. I'm joined by a number of guys from the Av Geeks stable, so I'll go around and introduce everyone. Connor, how are you doing? I'm all right, Rob. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. And Anthony Fogarty, how are you? I'm all right, mate. You? Yeah, good. I'm good. And. Tom Whitworth, one only Hello. Tom Whitworth, how are we? I'm not too bad, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Good. And joining us also is Ben, how are we doing Ben? Yeah, not too bad mate, how are you? Yeah, not bad, it's been a while since you've been on, hasn't it? It has been a, a, uh, it has been a little while. Good to have you back. Cheers. And finally, we have Tim. Tim, how are you doing? I'm alright mate. I'm uh, not going to ask you how you are because you've already said it five times that you're absolutely <laughs> fine, so. Yes. I, am, I am absolutely <laughs> fine. It's all good here. Final time, yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is going to be a Q&A episode. We, a bunch of you have sent in some questions, so we're just going to go around the group and we're going to ask answer them and um, sort of hopefully it will enlighten you as to give you a little bit of information about us, how we roll, and just kind of generally answer some of your burning questions. Um, so I thought we'd start with some new news that's come out today. So it seems like it's more bad news for the Cornwall Aviation Heritage Centre who have been told by the council, um, despite having organized a place to go and having a planning application in with funding for a new sort of facility and the council have decided they want them off-site immediately um asking them to remove all of their planes and all of their memorabilia everything they've got there by the 11th of uh, april which is a bit of a, a kick in the ass when we're sort of a day away from the bank holiday um i'm pretty annoyed about it um i'm sure you guys are as well so anyone, anyone got any thoughts they want to share about it just sounds a bit contrived to be honest you know it's 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 just like they've just want them to fail and for a council which is not want to help an attraction in their area i just think it's it's just daft yeah it feels like it feels like a completely backwards decision because in our government's constantly going on about leveling up and protecting our heritage and allowing a an aviation museum which celebrates our heritage, um, especially our military heritage. Um, it seems like, um, yeah, a completely misguided decision. And they've got um, no, they've got no further plans for the site either. So even if they do manage to get out of there, which is unlikely, then the site's just going to sit there dormant anyway. So what's the point? Yeah, it Let seems. Them stay. I mean, it, it feels to me like that someone's got some money in brown envelopes being passed around. It, it seems like a, a given that. Virgin's monumental failure at launching a rocket off of an aeroplane, which always always seemed like a slightly odd idea, um, seems to help spaceport ideas kind of slow down a little bit. So I, it just feels like a, a calculated decision to kick them off of what is re- a relatively small piece of land on a quite a big airport. Mm. Well, yeah, it's, it's not it's not impacting on anything that New Key Airport run. It's not impacting on anyone. If anything, CAHC is not only preserving some heritage from in the southwest but it's also bringing in tourism into cornwall and it's also assisting children 
that are both in primary, secondary and college with STEM and teaching them both the history of aviation, British aviation and engineering, which, as everyone knows, you know, engineering is a massive uh, upcoming. Well, it's always been upcoming, isn't it? But it's a, it's a constant evolution and you need to bring the younger generation in and see, you know, what it was before what it is now and yeah they just don't seem to have any reasoning as why they want to close it down what they're going to do with the, the land after it's closed down so really they've got no just means for it it's just some like you said i think it's some someone with a big ego and a small pocket trying to uh push their way and make a bit of a name for themselves but unfortunately they're making a bit of an ass of themselves yeah, I mean, it seems like a slightly odd decision. I mean, I, I think I read in one of their posts that they would had agreement from the uh, the airport to use some other space to store some of the airplanes for a while. Um, yeah. The council just seemed to have just rejected it and said, no, off, which just, I mean, according to some of the earlier sort of discussions, the council of, it sort of implied they'd help them until they found a new location for it. And then the council have just all of a sudden gone, no, no not anymore, get off, which just, it just seems like a, it's a terrible way to treat a, a small business which by their own admission washes its own face and has got somewhere to go and has got funding for it and you know you'd, you'd think that something like that that promotes stem promotes the armed forces promotes cornwall in fact mm-hmm. it would be something they'd support you need to get someone like rick stein to sort of like wade in there i mean he owns like padstow yeah you know, it's like adnams over this way own southwold you get rick stein on board sat there going no leave it open then i'm sure they'd all be a bit oh well uh yeah. just massive it's just massively hypocritical um they're, they're banging on about armed forces day this and how it's been celebrated in cornwall yet quietly behind the scenes they're completely destroying the heritage that has been a big part of that um so it, it's just yeah like you say it's got to be it's got to be brown envelopes being passed around between dodgy mps as usual and uh, yeah, I'm happy to call that out because it's bullshit. So it's mm. just sickening. It's absolutely sickening. To I mean, be it's like, like like Rob alluded to earlier, the council. So when I went on the the final Sunday before they shut the doors, well, seemingly forever at the moment, and the owner of the museum was there, and he said that the council would assist, said that they would assist in moving the aircraft. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden that was completely cut from under their feet, and to read from Cornwall Aviation Heritage Centre and see in their little spiel they put on social media saying that the council were going to get their, in inverted commas, agents in to remove them, really sounds like they're just going to get a couple of bailiffs to turn up with a set of bolt croppers, cut the gates open and drag drag them out. I mean, the the, the release from the council, the, the, it was the term dispose of, which yeah. is um, an incredible harsh way to think of planes that have been loved and well looked after by mm. i mean it's a great museum i went a couple of years ago and the volunteers are great and they open up as many of the cockpits as they can so people can sit in them and understand mm. what an airplane does and they're happy to talk to you and it's, it's a it's a real jewel in the area and it's just like it seems mm. it just i don't know it's it's disgusting that that's how they want to treat businesses and like heritage in general you know yeah i mean it's it's lucky that most of the airframes will be saved. You know, if this this whole shenanigans happens and they don't manage to keep them and create another museum, most of them are going back to like the RAF, the Navy, or are going into public hands. But then there's other airframes there that their next destination is the scrappy. I mean, we're talking 
probably one of the only VC10s left that you can mm. actually get into that is in really good condition. That's got no future at the moment. So that's looking at the Cutter's Torch. The Tornadoes, I think the Tornadoes and the Lightnings are going back to the RAF. Hawks are going back to the Navy. The Harrier's going back to the RAF. And then there's a couple of other private uh, private hands that are getting their hands on some of the other aircraft, but the rest will just go go to the Cutter's Torch. Mm. And the it's, thing, the thing it's is, though, disgusting. The, th- the thing is, we shouldn't be even considering or contemplating them having to go back to these people. Like the, no. the, the Cornwall Aviation Heritage Centre has done a fantastic job over the years of maintaining these aircraft and keeping the centre open and doing a cracking job with uh, all people of all ages, not just not just youngsters, and getting them into engineering or aviation and things like that. And they've worked bloody hard to get this uh, relocation move. And from a really generous person that's come along um, with a lot of money to say, yep, yeah, you can have this site and we'll work together and we'll get it sorted. And the council was like, yeah, if you find another site, then we'll work with you. And then they've just pulled the rug from under him at the, at the 11th hour. It's sickening. Mm. It's absolutely sickening. And if that was my council, I'd be at the, I'd be at the door of that council tomorrow morning. I really would be mm. asking what is going on. Because it's yeah. a joke. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, this is something we could have a podcast in its own right, to be fair, because um, it wouldn't be the first museum that's closed. I mean, there, there was one up here, the Fenland Air Museum, which closed um, last year. Luckily, all of the uh, the stuff there went to the Norwich Aviation Museum, which um, happens to be expanding, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, it's, it would be a great loss for Cornwall. Um, obviously, by the time this podcast comes out, the sort of deadline... Um, for them will have passed. Um, I can't imagine the council will do anything immediately because councils never do. Um, but if you want to support, and I, we strongly urge that you do, they do have a change.org p- uh, petition, which you can get to by their Facebook page. Um, it's definitely worth signing up. I think it's over 40,000 signatures already. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just go stick your name down if you can. It, every little helps. We might be too late. We might not have any impact at all. But, you know, as an aviation community, there are a lot of us. So, stick your name down it might make a difference you never know you might save some of these valuable airframes from the uh the cuts torch as ben said yeah we'll definitely link it on all our uh social medias as well we'll put it on the instagram pages and facebook pages so uh you can click on it and get yeah yeah like you said get your name down and yeah hopefully we can save something at least so moving on from that onto the the bulk of the podcast the q a so as i said before we've got we've compiled 10 questions from those that you've sent in um, some of them are quite meaty questions. Some of them are sort of one-word answers. Um, so, yeah, we'll, what I'll do is I'll, we'll we'll go around the table. But I think what's eventually going to happen: some of these other people are going to have opinions, and we're going to agree. So they might turn into discussion points in their own right. So we'll go through that, and hopefully you'll get some information from it. You might learn some stuff. You might just end up laughing at us. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like that. Yeah. Um, so we laugh yeah. at ourselves. So. You might as well laugh at us, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but what we wanted to do this, we wanted to kind of give us, give you guys the chance to sort of ask us questions and get to know us a bit. So um, that's what this is about, really. So question number one, which is a fairly easy one, it's probably going to only really apply to Ben and Ant because you've been around the longest, I think. Um, the question comes from Anonymous Aviation. How did the idea of Have Geeks Assemble come around? Oh dear, Ben! I'll let you. I'll let you go with this one, mate. I do too, far too much talking on this uh, on this podcast. So, really, the, the the person that would be most up for this question would be Martin, but he's currently spraying his hose at planes 
<laughs> and other vehicles. He's um, actually a fireman. Actually. Yes, he is he's actually, 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 actually. <laughs> um, so it's all started back in well, a couple of years now. We're going to talk about it, three years now, and it all started with Martin putting a simple post up on Instagram um, saying, "Did anyone want to meet in January? I believe it was at RF Collinsby. Just, just you know, meet up and you know talk some." stuff and maybe a bit of banter at the fence um so a little group chat was set up for it so we could all like agree on what time we were gonna arrive and where we were gonna arrive and what we looked like and blah 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 um and then really the the, the chat happened well the meet happened um we had a, all had a good time and then the chat carried on um and then we started a instagram page well, Martin started the Instagram page, sorry. Um, and really, we 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 built from there. We added members. We had members leave for various reasons. Um, and we've just grown in strength ever since, really. We've got a very large community now, which all of us, I can, I can easily say, speaking for everyone, that we all are extremely proud of. Um, you know, from everything from selling patches and stickers to giving advice to new spotters to old spotters, current spotters, making some amazing friendships, making some amazing contacts, having, you know, the ability to assist other photographers and have other photographers come in and assist us. Um, but yeah, so it, it literally, Avgeeks Assemble started from a simple group chat to meet at the fence at Coningsby and it's turned into the beautiful things it is now. What a lovely story that is. It almost brings a tear to the eye. It's a thing of beauty. It's, uh, it's emotional. I'm well <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, a, it, it's amazing how it's grown because I mean, I, I remember seeing you guys sort of first start because I've, I've been talking to Martin for a number of years. Um, I think before Gigs Assemble started and sort of seeing it grow from being just like a base visit to what we do now i mean i've only been what, 18 months two years now me and tim have been in i think something like that and it's, yeah. it's like even since we've been in it's developed um and i think one of the questions i've seen asked sometimes is how do we not end up killing each other and how have we sort of how <laughs> we because because you get lots of lots of people put together like sort of groups on instagram and then that sort of thing but it's just like there's you know how have we managed to kind of keep going and sort of keep going from strength to strength i guess and just keep the keep the steam going i think it's just we're all very like-minded and we're all just quite passionate about what we do and quite passionate about helping other people achieve their goals yeah definitely and it's it's also the better fact that we're all spread across the country you know i'm from the glorious southwest um we've got members from southeast of the uk the that dark part in the uk called the midlands um <laughs> we've had some overseas um it's members <laughs> Shit old. Yeah. it's like it's like the stone age <laughs> yeah it's like it's like birmingham in the midlands are stuck in the stone age but you know anyway <laughs> um yeah and it's it's the diversity as well i think that makes i mean we're probably going to touch you know what i'm about to say we'll probably touch a few answers but we all use a different range of cameras we all have different opinions on editing styles. 
Um, we all have different opinions on our favourite aircraft. Some love warbirds, some love jets, some like helicopters and some like Civi. You know, it's a massive plethora of stuff that we all enjoy. You know, so I think that's definitely what makes us gel together as a as a team, I would say, more than a, you know, almost like a family even. I mean, for us to go and spend a week in the Mac loop without killing each other is, you know, a, a good sign of a good, bond almost like a band of brothers should we say <laughs> so i mean like, just, just 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 to give people an idea of uh, a day in the life of the av geeks assembled chat well today started with uh, plenty of rants about uh, cornwall aviation heritage centers news and then there was uh, various no, didn't. hang on hang on hang on oh. it did not start it was the middle of the day it started. Yes. It, no, it started with a beautiful sunset shot as I was on my way to work. So, oh yeah, sunset. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, sunset. That's true. Yeah. Ad, 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 Yeah, yeah. So, sunset, <laughs> sunset. Cornwall Aviation Heritage. Then someone said there were six American Army Chinooks coming to Lid. So I think uh, Martin was on the M25 at this point, and he decided to do a UE and uh, go back and uh, <laughs> catch them. <laughs> where Connor was already there. <laughs> so, uh, so we had Quietly that covered waiting. off. Then I found out there was a 747 coming into BHX, even though it was pissing down. I went and caught it anyway. Um, then, then there was some other bits and bobs where people were just like flying all over the place trying to catch stuff. Who else caught stuff? Uh, Martin got oh, yeah. another Chinook at Biggenhill, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I had some pictures of some snakes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you were taking pictures of snakes in schools. <laughs> we won't go any further with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, disclaimer, they were there as part of the school and I work in schools as part of my job. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's just it's very varied. It's a very varied group. No no two days are the same. No. no. Oh, and there might be a little sprinkling of banter and abuse, but oh yeah. It's all, it's all friendly. Yeah, I mean only a really that. small sprinkling. Got to have that. I think it Gotta goes without saying you all have to be slightly, slightly mental to be in the group, don't we? I think we're, we're, we're all a little bit strange Slight, in some kind of way. Slightly unhinged yeah. is the correct answer. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's quite ironic. Before I joined Dave Geeks Assembly, I had a full head of hair, and now I'm three years in and I'm completely Don't lie. Don't, don't <laughs> lie. You've never had a full head of hair. Wonderful. Yeah, a good answer there. That went on longer than I expected that one would actually. That'd <laughs> be quite an easy one, um, but the, the second one. Though this is quite an in, this is quite an interesting question. This because I think this varies between different members. Um, it comes from Jeff Wilson at Lightning Aviation Photography, and he asks, "Do you use your histogram when you're shooting?" Now I know we had this conversation about using the histogram in Lightroom you know, the other day, but I mean, how many of us actually use it on in the field? I mean, I do personally. I, I but I use it. I don't use it live. I use it when I, I sort of do like check of the shots afterwards to see make sure i'm in the right ballpark with my settings um but do, do, does anyone else use it are you is it something that's just widely used i have the histogram on in the viewfinder now um before i could do that i would have the histogram on like the review mm. so when i'd take a picture it would be in the like in the preview type thing um but really i suppose it's only been the last three months where I've actually sort of like realized um, how to like really read it. You know, you sort of like see the peaks here and there and you go, uh, looks okay. But now I've sort of like started to understand it a bit more. And um, there's, there's that sort of partial as a plane's coming towards me or I'm taking a picture of a plane partially sort of um, 
sort of like split second, my focus goes from what I'm supposed to be looking at to the histogram because it's like right in the viewfinder. So <laughs> my attention sort of like, I think if you could take a, um, a camera shot of my eye as I'm taking a picture of a camera, my eye would just be sort of like doing 360s <laughs> <laughs> going around the viewfinder. Is that just, like that just because of stigmatism? Though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm conscious, like after when you, when you said that question, I'm conscious. I was like in the back of my head, I was like, oh, yeah, Christ, my, my eye must just like dart to and from that histogram like constantly. Not that it does any good. I just like watching it do things. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's obviously you're shooting mirrorless now, and us old man cameras with our mirrors and that we don't don't always have it in the live view because we obviously don't have an electronic viewfinder. So we sounds like a you problem. Does sound like problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have to check it in review. But I mean, I I, I I only ever really use it as a guide. I don't use it as gospel. I just kind of like, am, no. am I in the right ballpark for my settings? You know, um, yeah. and I'd rather have it to the left, more to the left than to the right. You know, so but it's always kind of like just using it as a guide to work out where I am, so that the next round of shots I'm there for it and just closer to what I want. Yeah, the, the thing with the mirrorless cameras is they've got um, exposure simulation in the electronic viewfinder, so it will project the image that you are exposing into your eye as you're taking it. So you, you know whether it's overexposed before you even press the shutter because it's projecting that into your eye. So I. I, I tend, I can see Tim with his handle. I, I tend not to use the histogram in the viewfinder as I'm shooting, but I will check it on the info screen in between taking shots just to make sure it was where I thought it was. And generally, with the odd exception, it is. I was going to say, do we need a little sort of like insert here from the last <laughs> podcast to announce that Anthony Fogarty has actually bought an R7? No, uh, no, oh, no, no. Don't tell him that yet. I, I, I leave it another podcast because otherwise I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think to be fair, there's, there's a group of us in this. Uh, I think three of us were on that podcast about gear and where we said, don't worry about the gear. It's not about the gear. We've all gone and brought some new gear since that uh, in the space of the three or four weeks afterwards. So, yep. Um, yep. But so still, don't listen to us. Just enjoy the podcast, but don't tell it. Don't don't listen to anything we say. Remember, it's not about the gear, and we all have our own personal journeys for getting to where the gear the gear we have now. Absolutely, so, getting to where the yeah. gear is. Yeah. I think I think the thing to take from that last podcast is don't record a podcast about gear because all you will end up doing is buying more gear. Is you'll spend you'll spend the next two hours after that podcast looking at gear, yeah. going. Eh. I want that. I'll have this. I want that. I can certainly advise not going to the pub before going to a camera shop because that is a, that is a world of pain. Yeah. yeah, I mean, going back to the, the histogram, I've never. I mean, I've been doing photography now for about four years. I've never actually got my head around understanding the histogram. I've just looked at it and gone, what, what, yeah and just ignored it and just gone with what my eye sees on the well i mean i only see it really when i'm editing i don't use it on the back of camera i'll just look when i'm looking at the uh when i'm editing through lightroom and i'll look and i'll see and i'll go yeah it's got lots of pointy bits and it's all different colors <laughs> yeah ignore that and just just look to see with what it looks like with my eye so yeah i've never really understood it i think that might be a uh, a new skill set I need to look into in uh, in twenty twenty three is how to understand and read a, a histogram. YouTube. I'm on the same lines as Ben here on that one. I sort of, I know I know what it was. I was aware of it. Did I choose to look at it? Uh, no. no. I knew it was like same with Rob and 
Tom and previously Ben, because I will remind him he once owned a Nikon. Um, <laughs> um, it's only available in the the, the preview menu. Um, so I obviously was was aware of it and sometimes paid attention to it. Did I understand it? God no. Um. I think I think when it comes to the histogram, I think it really depends on what type of photography you're doing. Like for, from an aviation photography point of view, you've got almost zero chance of being able to look at the histogram whilst trying to keep an aircraft in the in the frame. It's just it, it's almost impossible. You might be able to glance at it just before you start shooting, but anything there afterwards, once you've started to press that shutter button you're really trying to focus on keeping that, especially if you've got a long lens on like 600 mil or some or 500 mil or something, you're going to be focusing on keeping that jet warbird, whatever it is, helicopter in the frame. Um, so having the histogram there is neither here nor there, but if you're doing landscape photography or something where you've got a hell of a lot more time to compose your shot uh, and, and sort of um, plan and, and dial in all the settings for that particular one photo, then yeah, it makes perfect sense to have it there. Yeah, stuff like night shoots and things like that. Stuff like that, it, it has more of an applicable use, I'd say, within sort of yeah. the aviation photography sort of genre as a whole. But like, yeah, as you say, and I to to do on the fly what we do and pay attention to a little graph. That's gonna. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the the basic gist of a histogram is that it, it sort of measures the the brightness of an image to an extent and it sort of goes it's sort of split into segments so it starts with the blacks on the left hand side and it goes through your shadows your mid-tones your, and your highlights and whites all the way to the right hand side so you're kind of trying to get it so you've got like a, a nice balance of everything to get yourself effectively a perfectly exposed perfectly lit image basically um obviously i think one of the things to remember with histogram is some of it can be you know, the ideal would be like a nice dome, so that sort of the middle where your midtones are, that's kind of sort of like a nice sort of like a, ris a risen bit, and everything's sort of fairly lower, um, and you don't want any big peaks on it. So that that's the kind of sort of thing to use it for, rather than use it as like your gospel, because different types of photography are going to call for different types of different types of colours and lighting, basically. Um, so there's no sort of one size fits all. I mean, if if you're doing like a a landscape. For example, then probably a more of a dome curve in the middle would be the ideal because you've got everything in there then. Um, but I think it's one of those things to use as a guide just to kind of see that you're not blowing out highlights, blowing out shadows, because um, that will be the the thing that will affect your images if you really if you like if you're overexposing, blowing out your highlights, blowing out your shadows. Um, so that's the sort of thing to look for. Which just, I mean, as I say I use it as a guide really just to make sure that my settings aren't so far away from. The right image because there's, there's a lot you can do in in lightroom and photoshop to sort of correct the histogram um but obviously if you've created a peak somewhere and you've blown out the highlights you've blown the shadows then a lot of that information isn't recoverable um so it's just it, using it as a guide i think is the best way of looking at it definitely excellent and so moving on to the next question i think we've we've touched on this a little bit so far uh, at least connor has um matthew taylor at matthew taylor underscore aviation asks what are your dream camera setups who wants to go first and then um so not necessarily a dream to sort of what i'm eyeing up now courtesy of our lovely gentleman's um previous podcast um i'd be looking sort of a sony mirrorless setup now so a7 III roughly with the 200-600 g master with the 70-200 to a uh 85 24 to 105 
but sounds like you've done some research on this, Connor. <laughs> there might be an MPB basket under my name somewhere. <laughs> again, that... That's, that sounded like a really detailed yeah. sort of like, you <laughs> yeah, know, yes. like when you say to someone, oh, what car are you getting? And they list off practically every speck of the thing, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that's 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 currently the feeling. If it was what, the, what the listeners don't realise is Connor's currently on MPP making his basket <laughs> as we yeah. can see the glint in his eyes. He's looking at it. <laughs> he, he he predicted this question, so he started filling in his uh, his basket. And every time he goes back now to look at something else, his basket's going to be a. You've got unbrought items. Do you want to buy them? And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> sending me reminders, please. <laughs> Get an email notification every other day. Your item's back in stock. Tom, what, what's your dream setup? Um, it's a tough one, really. I mean, when I started photography, my dream setup was what I'm using now. So I'm happy with how it's sort of going, but I think probably it'd still be Nikon. I'm tempted by the Sony stuff. It all looks very good. Um, I'm not brave enough to take the plunge and I'm not retired, so I can't afford it. Um, so pr- probably uh, <laughs> probably something like a Nikon D5 and then like a, a 400 f2.8. If money was no object, um, that'd probably do me just fine, to be fair. Perfect. And Ben, what do you want yours? Got to be a Nikon, well, isn't it? Of course it has. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Here we go. Here we go. Turncoat. <laughs> um, no, again, I think if if it was a money was no object with the current lineup, it would have to be a Canon R three with quite a few lenses. I'd have to have a couple of prime lenses in there for doing air shows. So probably a, a four hundred and a six hundred prime, um, and then maybe a twenty four to one hundred five for doing like statics in your museums and up close shots. And then maybe a hundred, a hundred to four hundred millimeter, to uh, just have that bit of flex. But um, yeah, that's that's a if money was no object. But in, in today's current climate, I think I'll be pulling out a Pentax. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you reckon yours would be? What you got oh God! Well, I mean, it's difficult because I've just. Bought a new R7, so I should technically <laughs> say I've got my dream still. Yeah, so we don't want to convince <laughs> you to go buy a new camera before the yeah, so, so, yeah, just yeah, if, if just skip past me because otherwise I'll end up buying an R5 <laughs> next week. He'll be filing for bankruptcy next week <laughs> and divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably both on the same day. So yeah, just skip past me. <laughs> so for the benefit of Ant's wife, his current camera setup is his dream camera setup. Yes, that's it. That's the correct answer again. <laughs> and uh, Tim, what about you? I think for the benefit of your wife, it's going to be exactly the same answer, isn't it? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very difficult because obviously I've, well, say recently. Yeah, I suppose recently I've switched over to the R7 and I'm still very, 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 very much finding my feet with it. Um, so at the time of recording this podcast, there are no plans to change my camera. Um, At the time of recording the next podcast, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I don't know. I mean, if money was no object, I think, yeah, the, the switch to Sony would be there. and sort of like burrowing around in my head. Like if, you know, if, if I won the lottery tomorrow, once, it, once all the normal stuff has been done and paid and things are secure in life, I think... 
um yeah it'd be straight off to the nearest camera shop probably take a trip to norwich off to wex just walk in and just go give me <laughs> just give me your sonny I'll give me your sonny swags it'd be like arnie going into the um the gun shop in terminator just <laughs> listing off a, a whole load of like sonny stuff <laughs> yeah. and they go oh only what you see on display you know <laughs> all that sort of stuff but yeah i i, I think for a, a lot of people the the sonny um sonny products are you know tantalizingly Gucci and just very, very, very um, nice, but realistically, like like Ben sort of like said, you know, in in the current fiscal state, I suppose, um, I am very, very happy with what I've got. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So you're not getting that 300 we talked about earlier, then. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Is that is that the same 300 that sat currently behind you, Mr. Fogarty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one here that, yeah, I, yeah, bought, yeah, yeah. that I bought yesterday. <laughs> 300 F4L series, yeah. Well, I think interestingly for me, it's kind of my dream setup was kind of like Tom. I think I've got the dream setup that I always wanted. Um, I think if I was to maybe pick one, I think, I mean, it, it would be very unoriginal to say Sony. I mean, I think the Sony gear is really good. Although I think, I mean, I think they've they've had the, the leap ahead in terms of mirrorless cameras i think and they're really far ahead of everyone but i think the nikon z9 is probably a new game changer in terms of mirrorless cameras especially with the nikon brand um so i think i'd probably say that nikon z9 um with my 200 to 500 um lens still because really enjoying that lens and probably like a nice 7200 um 300 prime and maybe somewhere around there like like 24 to 105 sort of 120 range and maybe a really nice wide angle for my landscape stuff um so yeah probably probably nikon z9 and paraphernalia related to it but i think yeah i mean i i would like a sony because i'd just like to rock up to like bases like mark lenham does just point in the sky and grab a winner um <laughs> but i think I, I think i'll settle yeah i think i'll settle what i've got for now that's it <laughs> And uh, oh, this is dear. the next question. It's one of my favourite questions, actually, because I think it's a really good one. Um, S. Robert uh, Sliger or Sliger the second has asked, "How does everyone balance real-world responsibilities like careers and families and still be able to edit or publish their work in a reasonable time frame?" Christ, ask me out this question. <laughs> then. <laughs> um, is there an option for we don't? <laughs> yeah, we don't. <laughs> we neglect those responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> continuously in my case i mean I'm, I'm quite lucky that um i've got a very tolerant wife and we we have very different sort of sleep patterns so i tend up have like several hours in the evening where i've just gone time to myself so i tend to use that to catch up on my editing um which is good um but obviously i've not not got any kids so i don't have to worry about that um but yeah for me it's just a, a really tolerant wife and convenient sleep cycles yeah i'm very similar actually like i'll um i'm a chef so i'll finish work sorry nine half past nine at night chances are my partner my wife is either asleep or on her way to being asleep so i'll come home um you know after the initial sort of like 10 15 minute catch up it's right i'm going to bed and i'll be like right well i'll go and edit some pictures i took about 
two years ago um or (laughs) just carry on looking through the react shots um and stuff like that um it is difficult um that balance to uh not saturate yourself as well Mm. i think i think after we all came back from react a lot of us um just felt overcooked just completely i need a i need a week Ben, you were literally cooked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, just literally. But it's, I find sometimes if if I've managed to get to bases quite often, quite regularly, I get to a point where I go, okay, I'm going to take a break so that I don't get um, bored. I know it sounds random, but you can have too much of a good thing. Um, I'm very fortunate in my job that I do the rotor. <laughs> um, but I tend to stick to having Thursdays and Fridays off because that's where my wife's off, so that's fine. Um, but she knows that every sort of month or so, I, I want to go for my own sanity. I want to go and have a day at the fence, um, talk to like-minded idiots, um, and then come home. And then come home and go look at this picture of the same plane that I took a picture of last month. <laughs> you know. Or, <laughs> Yeah, I'll sit there and I'll sort of like go through the pictures and I'll be like, oh, look at that one. That's a doozy. Sort of like turn the turn the laptop around and show it to her and she would sort of like roll her eyes and go, it's the same as the last one. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. You know? um, so, yes, having a, a very tolerant partner and I think a bit of freedom in the actual work life um, is what benefits me personally. Yeah. I can well. I mean, I've got four girls and the missus, so I need time away from home for my own sanity <laughs> as often as possible. So, yeah, my inability to produce a son <laughs> be down this path of it's yes. ab geek or nothing. <laughs> so, as much as I love them all, and I would do anything for them, roughly every two weeks or so. Screw you once a month, mate. <laughs> Rough, <laughs> roughly every two weeks or so, I'm like, I need to get out. I need to get out. So, yeah, um, yeah that's what I do. And the editing, yeah, I do that whilst I'm at work, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, I work from home. So I've got two laptops on the go at all times. So I'm busy at work all the time, not necessarily working. Mm. <laughs> ben, what about you? Having a, having a munch on your Cornetto there. <laughs> if only this was a visual podcast. Yeah, luckily this isn't on YouTube anymore. Um yeah, for me getting around um editing, my PC's tucked away in the corner so the missus can have the TV and watch her Tosh that she watches. Failing that she's usually asleep whilst I'm editing. Um again, same as Tim just clicked on after React social media was just just absolutely swamped with images from react and i kind of moved myself away from react images for a little bit <clears throat> and edited some some other stuff um as for trips well um it's a pre well probably post covid it was like at least twice a month i was out on the weekends at air shows um or you know going to trips to bases like lake and heath or Millwall, mat loop um but then obviously with everything that happened in the financial situation in the last couple of years um 
is kind of limited down now to doing not like a big trip as such, but a bit more careful planning. Saying that, last year I went over to France for an air show for a weekend on my birthday. This year, um, I've booked to go to a certain place in October, but I'm not going to say it because I get a lot of stares from a lot of people in the in the, in the video chat. <coughs> Axe out. Yeah, no one wants to go there. It's boring. Yeah, you know what we were saying about people leaving the group for various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then it would just be it will be air shows this year. Maybe take a trip or two down to Duxford and have a little wander around there and try and get some new angles. But yeah, it is going back to like what answered. It's difficult to balance. Like work. I mean, I'm I'm on the road pretty much every single day working, um, so I don't have the luxury of having a laptop at my at my side. Um, but it's it's definitely needing to get out. Like Anne said, obviously he's got a lot of uh, pheromones around the house, so he he needs that little bit of manliness. Otherwise, I'm thinking of leaving be... right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise he'll be changing his name soon from anthony to uh, amelia or something like that um but also it, it's it's good for your mental health to just step away from the world you know at the moment it seems to be all doom and gloom in the news and it's good to be able to get out hopefully with some some mates and like-minded people and kind of like refresh yourself it's it's good to get out and you know and do that so yeah it's ultimately like i said that work-life balance is it's difficult to manage it sometimes but if you can manage it then escapism that's it yeah that's what it is it's our escapism some people like going to the movies some people like television some like people like books some people like going shopping whatever it is it's our escapism There's, there's some people that enjoy playing golf yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard that mm. some people actually enjoy it. <laughs> Strange, I know. Yeah, so I mean, like, well, the way I deal with it when I'm not working, and I'm fortunate, I'm single, I'm not answerable to anybody. So I've got a day off work. <laughs> you didn't say out. you were fortunate last time we saw you. Uh, I, no, I didn't say that actually. But um, I changed my tune. <laughs> he's listened to all our sub stories, and he's like, oh, yeah. "I'm onto a good thing here, boys." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got the world at my feet. I live in the Midlands. Land of opportunity. Two hours from everything. <laughs> yeah, literally. And what about you, Connor? Because you've got quite a busy life at the minute, haven't you? With your your high flying engineering job. Uh, yeah. So um, obviously, some some people who obviously know me, um, my career position changed sort of six months ago. It is officially six months now. I'm all good. Um, yeah. So my day job is to work with planes, and then my weekend job is to. Well, my weekends are spent with planes and my hobby is with planes in varying different factors um so no um typically now i'm lucky i'm off this week as of recording this podcast as discussed i was quite lucky to catch some chinooks quite surprising this morning whilst i was alerted whilst sitting in bed um and i've had the opportunity to edit those today um not that i'll ever be seen for probably another year Knowing my uploading <laughs> schedule. Um, well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be you, Connor, if it was posted the same day, would it? Let's be no, honest. We need, we need to. We need an eighteen-month lead time on your yeah. photos. I mean, I was supposed to be one photo from bloody October twenty twenty-one. So, what can I say? You know. Um, no. Um, 
yeah so things like air shows and things like that i do try to do a lot of bit of editing time but with obviously the, the exams studying and things like that, that i'm doing currently typically on most of my evenings now i'll be spent you know cooking cleaning doing all the th things unfortunately now i have to do now that i'm a responsible adult um and have to do life um but um no, I do try to find sort of half an hour after sort of like a particularly heavy study session or heavy day at work or something like that, just to sort of switch off, do a bit of editing, go, oh, shit, didn't know I had that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I find editing quite therapeutic sometimes. Yeah. It's, I, mean, it's... I always find, I don't know if you guys find the same. It's like, I know we talked about what we do with our raw files and that sort of thing the other day. So I, a lot of my photos get edited based on how I feel. So like if I'm in a, if I'm in a good mood, I'll edit a photo i mean i could edit a photo five times over the course of the week and each time they'd look completely different just because of whatever mood i'm in so i i find that yeah i think it's one of those things you have to be able to get away because it's like you know you could just drive yourself insane especially when it, you know it's when it's a passion if you're not doing it you kind of get quite on the antsy about it don't you yeah definitely 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 is that why all your shots are very moody? Because you're always moody. I am. I'm always miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question comes from Ian Knight at Ian underscore Knight underscore photography. He says, standing close or under the flight path, what has been the loudest jet above your head? Ooh. I'll go first on this because um, my, my eardrum is still suffering. Uh, I, a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, last month? No, yeah, a couple of months ago. It was February. Um, I was stood under uh, a Typhoon twin stick as it did a single engine uh, go around. <laughs> and just as it went over my head, it decided to engage that single engine's afterburner, <laughs> which I've got a fantastic slow-mo video of, which you've probably seen on my reels. But um, yeah, that was probably the loudest thing I've ever heard. And it nearly knocked me off my ladder and it did blow my hat off as well. So uh, yeah, but I I got it. I got the photo. I got the reel. So it's all good. <laughs> the hearing damage. I'll worry about later. <laughs> I think for, for me, I think it's the F thirty five. I don't know if it is louder than the F fifteen, but it just sounds like it. I guess. It was it, I it? guess because it's coming out of one engine rather than two, it just feels like it's just loud. And there's a. Yeah. It feels like there's a rumble associated to it. They just, mm. and it, especially if you're listening, you you. If you're listening in to, especially to the RAF pilots when they're flying, you can hear them on the radio. It sounds like they're flying a Hoover. It's just like they they're just just loud. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I, I totally agree. The F thirty five, but I would say the F thirty five B. Before I'd seen one uh, come into land, I'd have already always advocated for the SR seventy one. That thing just melted your eardrums. But um, the when the was it the US Marines came into Lagenheath a couple of years ago with the F-35s. Um, we were down um, zero 06 end because they were landing that end. We went down that end um, and they were like, they were delayed like two hours. It was pitch black. There was absolutely no chance of getting any pictures, but it was like, well, I've waited all day. I'm going to wait and see them come in. And they'd got the bin lids up. And they were coming in. That was about all you could see was just this slight lit up bin lid. But oh my god, loud, loud, loud! You know, just absolutely bludgeoned my ears. Yeah. Just, just like walking back to the car, it's like you know, people are like talking to you, and you're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> what?" Because I'm in, I'm in sort of like the, if they're landing at um O six end, there's one of the flight routes they come in comes in over my house. 
and you can hear them coming. And it's just, it's like the, the F-15s, you hear them, and they've by that time they've gone. The F-35s, you sort of hear coming. And it's just like, yep, oh, I'll try and go out and get a picture of it. And then they just come in. It's just like they're just they're just loud. And although well, to be fair, the Ospreys are pretty loud as well. Mm, yeah. I yeah, mean, especially at half past one in the morning when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> not exactly in- inconspicuous. No. That, that, that's, that's what you get for going camping at the end of Mills and All's runway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. <clears throat> but I, 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 to be honest, I, I'd put another vote in for the F-35B because... I've seen a, a pairs approach with them both with the bin lids up at, at Marham, and it is, it is probably the latest thing I've ever heard. I know, I know, I've got, I know, I've got a bit of uh, eardrum damage from that typhoon, but that was only because I was too close to the bloody thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, these uh, these two F thirty five Bs coming in next to each other, yeah, just ridiculous amount of noise, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, even when the RAF one does the hovering at uh, Riyadh. It's just like yeah. it's just sitting there and it's just noise. It's loud, isn't it? It is. It is, it is loud. Yeah. So I'm going to chuck, I'm going to chuck my sixpence in there and say 35B as well. I have got another two fairly strong contenders. Um, oh, go on then. <laughs> Tonka. Yeah. yeah. At the end of Marham's runway, rather low. Footage as unseen by most, as always, <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, that's. I don't think we have seen of yours. True, <laughs> true at this point. I don't see what I see half the time, so there we go. That amount of missed shots. Um, again, another podcast, another story if you're interested. Uh, um, um, no, that or probably a B1. Oh, yeah. B1. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, nice that is, that's a nice level. That's a nice level. That's um, different is all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. the, the video footage, again, also unseen. Um <laughs> That has no audio because the the I think the phone I was recording on the audio actually cut out because it quite frankly shit itself. <laughs> um, I think I think uh, um, another one that I'd suggest would be Amiro's two thousand. I mean, you just had him over here for Cobra Warrior. I didn't get there for that, but I do have memories of you know sort of like seeing them at prior air displays and stuff, and just sort of thinking, "Wow, that's loud," <laughs> you know as it's absolutely blasting its way past. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Like Ramex, was it Ramex Delta that did it yeah. last at React? That, that, yeah, now you've come to mention it, they were, because of the age of the jets, they're always on burners. So. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, when, when I was at um, the, the fence at Waddington a couple of weeks back, when uh, one of the Mirages went tech, as it had been up in the air for like five minutes, I had to burn off it's fueled it, it was carrying plus three tanks worth, and it was up at like seven, eight thousand feet just doing circles. And the roar off of it was like astonishing at, mm. at eight thousand feet. But I, I think for me, although it wasn't flying at the time and it wasn't going over my head or anything, standing 25, 30 feet away from a an, an English electric lightning yeah. on a full afterburner run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. uh yeah. Bear, bear in mind, like obviously as as Connor says, but mine is actually viewable. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I, I put a video up where I had my camera with its uh micro external microphone on and yeah, the, the, the camera didn't like the noise at all. And to be stood there with a pair of ear defenders on mm-hmm. 
and being able to feel it through your chest at most is yeah phenomenal mm. the, the pressure off of it was amazing but the sound again was just out of this world and if you were stood there with no ear defenders you would be deaf yeah quite quite simply and that was just on one engine and i've heard people saying when brunson thought we used to do the lightning runs um and it would have both going at once you it was just insane so yeah that was one thing i'd definitely love to have seen but um as for being at the end of the runway like i think connor said like the b1 I think was it was it Connor was it Tim said the B one yeah um yeah that thing when it takes off with full afterburner all four of them going at the same time is just something else. Some of us are old enough to just about remember lightnings at Whitechapel's by the way. <laughs> just 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 he says. <laughs> <laughs> we then we then had to put up with phantoms for that you know. Oh, oh wow. hard life. <laughs> disappointing eh. To be fair, I was at Watersham last week and I, I was stood there and I was thinking, this runway is really short. How did phantoms and lightnings take off from here? <laughs> Loudly. <Yeah. laughs> they, must have been, they must have clipped the fence every time they went over. Watersham's not actually, it's not actually that short. Um, like when you're, when you're where you were, like it's it's still quite deceivingly long. And it I think it's just because you can't, it goes, I think it's because you, yeah, you can't see the, see whole the thing. end of the runway. Yeah. Um, because it goes over that sort of like crest yeah. and then carries on. Yeah. Um it, it's yeah. deceptively short because obviously between where I was at the one end by the crash gate and then the memorial, um, the war memorial crash gate, it, it, it didn't seem like a very long runway and I was already halfway along it sort of thing. So Yeah. I mean touching on touching on the lightnings, I mean obviously I was too young well for when they were flying, but back in like two thousand nine, I think my um my godfather was um, doing a fast taxi on the Buccaneer at Brunsthorpe, and this is when they did the full uh, Cold War day. And um, they had two lightnings, and they were like both afterburners lit. And I had air defenders on. And to this day, that is by far the loudest thing. Like car alarms going off, like and people were just in shock. You've never heard anything like it. But I mean, apart from that, the closest thing I've heard is probably, in terms of being on the approach line. I mean, you guys have all been to Lake and Heath recently. The F-35As, when they took the gear up over the forest and they mm-hmm. put the yeah. power to, like, mill power or something, and you get that, like, that howl. It's like a mini Vulcan howl. That howl is amazing, and it, and it leads us on to the Vulcan, doesn't it? I mean, mm. there's, not, there's not many aircraft at an air show that will trigger every single car alarm in the car park than a Vulcan. Literally. Yeah. So you, ha- you have to give you have to give honourable mention to the Vulcan because that the noise that thing produced was just astonishing, and and that was from half a mile away from the bloody thing. So I went to uh, like the Marshall's centenary in Cambridge. It was um, two thousand nine. It was like a um, a friends and family invite only sort of thing, and because Marshall's did a lot of the retooling for the Vulcan um, when they sort of got it back in the air. It came in, did display, and it was an odd experience because I, my experience of the Vulcan is you don't necessarily hear it coming, but you know it's gone past you, and it's like we were stood in this hangar or just outside this hangar, and you could just feel this shaking of the hangar, and then it just went flying past the whole hangar, just shook as it went through sort of at full speed, and it just apart from, apart from the howl when it's going when it's at full power, the fact that it, the air 
seems to tear around it when you, it's just like you hear it r- like ripping the air and it's, it's just like, like a bow wave doesn't it yeah and it's just yeah. oh it's, yeah i mean that's just there they, it was so loud just just for our um civi fans as well um concord was mm. astonishingly mm. loud if you were if you were ever underneath a concord taking off as it went over the, like the threshold it's just unreal almost 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 as uh, loud as the uh, as the Vulcan, to be honest. Without, but without the howl. Mm. Um, but there's not many not many civvy aircraft that you get four afterburners on. But there we go. No, unfortunately, no. badly. <laughs> I think if you going going back to the, the the Vulcan quickly, if you if you want to see a video of the the, the howl at its best, is look at um, I think it was the Dawlish Air Show as it's coming along the uh, the coast and it pulls up and goes and the howl is just intoxicating absolutely intoxicating one of the best noises i think you could ever apart from an a10 firing it's uh it's mouthpiece off i think the vulcan howl is up there Mm, definitely excellent well a lovely choice i think i don't think we had a i don't think we could each choose one single plane i think it was a nice nice bunch of options there but yeah i think uh we've we've all heard some really loud planes in our time. So the the next question comes. From, it was at this point we realised the podcast was going to go on a lot longer than we initially anticipated. So what we've decided to do is we're going to split it into two separate episodes. So as a result, you're going to get a final tenth episode of season two, which will contain the final five questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around the room and let the guys give you their Instagram handles so you can follow them before the next episode. Let's start with Ben. How can people find you? Um, so on Instagram and Facebook, it's Ben's Aviation Photography and dabbling into a bit of YouTube, uh, which is BA Video. Excellent. And Ant? Uh, Instagram uh, is Anthony underscore Fogarty underscore Aviation. Um, I'm on Facebook as Anthony Fogarty and same for YouTube as well. Wonderful. And Tom? Yeah, Instagram is uh, Tom Whitworth Photo. I've got Facebook and YouTube, but it, it it's hit and miss, to be honest. Great. And Connor, when you post next year, when can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to bother following me, um, CM Aviation underscore photography, and that is just on Instagram. Wonderful. And finally, Tim? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as R2B Photos. Perfect. And you can find me on Instagram at RS7 Aviation. And of course, we do have the Abgeeks Assemble Instagram, which is at Abgeeks Assemble. We also have the Abgeeks Assemble Facebook. So come along and have a have a chat. Um, and all's left to be said now is I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, we'll see you in the next one. So do come and join us on the Facebook page. Drop us a like. Drop us any comments about anything. Ask us questions. You know, um, we're always willing to help. Um, we'll see you at the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Abgeeks Assemble podcast. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Abgeeks Assemble.